Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Unity Wealth Management, and this is Mike on Money. Thanks for joining us after our one-month uh, hiatus over the summer. We're back. We're going to be doing these on a regular basis again, as well as the podcasts and our uh, weekly deep dive videos. Uh, also rolling out some new some new content this summer where we're going to do some uh, one-on-one interviews with CEOs of some of the companies inside our portfolios, uh, especially the uh, the more interesting names in the uh, the smaller cap arena, uh, the more uh, niche uh, names that uh, we look at in the portfolios. Uh, so look for those uh, as we wrap that up as we get into the fall session here. So thank you for joining us. As always, uh, keep in mind, everything that we talk about here is for information purposes only. Um, always uh, talk to a professional or do your own due diligence before applying any strategies or recommendations to your own portfolio because everyone's unique and you want to make sure it is appropriate for your situation, especially on the risk front. Uh, and as always, if you're watching us here live today, you can interact with us, uh, ask a question, happy to answer those. Uh, probably going to be a bit longer session today, so we will follow up with any questions uh, that we that you might send in if I don't get to them on the live session. If you're watching it recorded, as many of you do, uh, by all means, just go to mikeonmoney.com. You can send us any questions there, give us a call, uh, or even set up meetings with us to discuss your, your individual situation or talk about uh, any questions you might have. So before, uh, before we dive into uh, our COVID update, of course, it's been uh, just over a month since we've talked. And uh, luckily, nothing happened over the summer that, uh, that we have to catch up on. Um, obviously, that's not true. Uh, we've got an election coming up. We have the whole uh, Afghan situation, uh, inflation, uh, continued um, continued uh, volatility or growth. Uh, volatility can mean growth, and we've certainly seen some volatility and growth in the markets. And of course, we still have COVID-19. It has not gone anywhere. Uh, but on the good front, uh, I do think there's a lot of good news around that, despite what's going on. Uh, I'm back in the office. You can't tell. I still have the background because, of, of course, um, through the pandemic, you know, the, uh, the office uh, managers decided to do start some renovations and um, of course they're not done before they before we're back in the office so uh, until we get the rentals done uh, I'll have the fake background uh, but it's hopefully as soon as uh, we're settled in the new offices with our, our team all in their permanent places we will uh, we will just kind of show you the offices a little bit but with that let's talk a little bit about COVID-19 so obviously the pandemic continues we're in what they're calling the fourth wave um, really driven by this, this Delta variant. Uh, however, I, I, you know, when it comes to the investment side, obviously on the, on the, on the personal fronts, uh, you know, we're still, we return to here in BC and many of the provinces in Canada return to uh, indoor mask wearing, um, you know, still the drive for the vaccinations, uh, vaccination members. Uh, and, and even we're seeing now um, in the U.S., uh, looking at approving the uh, the Pfizer vaccine anyway for age five and up. So 
you know, younger people uh, moving towards vaccines, and also those who are immunocompromised. Uh, BC has, and many of the provinces have already saw, um, approved or are putting into place uh, the booster shot. And we'll probably see that coming for everyone down the road. That's not a surprise though. Uh, if, you, if you flash back, which seems like 10 years ago, at the beginning of the talks of, of a vaccine, uh, it was pretty clear that they knew that the protection would be for a limited amount of time. Right. They, they knew that when we put in the, uh, the vaccination, it wasn't, you know, wasn't because of the nature of the COVID virus, uh, much like the flu, uh, you, you don't get just one shot and done. It is something we'll probably look at boosters uh, on an annual basis, maybe not always on an annual basis, depending on how, how much we get it under control and also how much we see uh, the, the variants continue to, to pop up because that's a real challenge. And if you flash back to the previous three, four months that I've talked about that a few times, whereas the variants that we have to be cautious about because the more and more the variants develop, eventually the variant can be immune to the vaccine. And, and that's what we don't want to happen. And that's why global vaccination, not just local vac vaccination is uh, really important. And we are seeing that step up. Uh, and that's the good news. We are seeing the numbers increasing globally. There are certainly, there's some countries that are behind uh, and they're working to catch up. And we're seeing that. We're even seeing pockets in the US that are behind uh, and start, things starting to catch, catch up. And there are pressures in places. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of companies now, even governments, US government mandating, you have to be vaccinated to come back to work. The airlines, healthcare workers, all have to be vaccinated or they're going to be uh, put on um, on leave, unpaid leave. Uh, and we're seeing that even in the universities, we're seeing that now with the vaccine passports. Uh, you know, if you want to go to, to a restaurant, if you want to go out to the theater, if you want to go to a movie, uh, you know, more and more people are being encouraged to go get the vaccine or if they want to return to normal to go get the vaccine. So. When we look at those numbers, it's only going to increase from there. Uh, you know, I, I've seen this firsthand with uh, part of my end of August was spent in Montreal, moving my two children into um, their universities, uh, one going into third year, one going into first year. So we went and got them set up. And the, of course, the universities, you can't go anywhere without a vaccine passport, especially in Quebec. They were one of the first provinces to bring the vaccine into play or the vaccine passport into play. Uh, and they were really accommodating as far as uh, I was able to get my the Quebec uh, vaccine passport showing proof of my BC vaccine vaccinations. Uh, and they had ease for international students to go show um, their proofs. Uh, but they even had on-site vaccination um, tents right on the, uh, right on the campus, campuses, basically allowing anyone anyone, they didn't even have to have insurance or they didn't have to be part of the Quebec healthcare program. Uh, all they had to show was their student ID and they were able to get the vaccine. So more and more people, uh, we're seeing definitely a spike of people going out and getting the vaccinations. So as we move through that, and we are seeing that globally, uh, while Delta is a concern, uh, it is slowing things down a little bit. Uh, it's not you know, when we look in the long term, we're still looking at an actual reopening, an actual uh, economic 
reopen and recovery phase. So that's what we're seeing in, in, in the COVID. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of protesting around the, the vaccination passports. Um, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, everyone's going to have their own opinion on this. But at the end of the day, this is the only way we're going to be able to move forward without more variants uh, coming to fruition. And uh, as I mentioned, it's just a matter of time before a, uh, a variant uh, renders the, vac the vaccinations useless and or ineffective, I should say. Uh, and then we're kind of back to square one with coming out with another uh, vaccine for the new variant. So uh, that's where we're at with the, uh, the pandemic update. Um, not all bad news. I actually am uh, uh, very optimistic at the global numbers, that it, uh, the, the rates that the global numbers are increasing. And again, if you flash back to Canada, January 2021, uh, you know, everyone thought Canada was way behind on the vaccination rollout uh, kind of efforts and the numbers. Uh, and we caught up really, really quickly and turned that around to be one of the leaders in the world. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to see more and more globally is some of the areas that are behind really start to ramp up efforts and, and, and move up those ranks. So we'll look forward to seeing those numbers as, uh, as things move along. Oops. Okay, so let's take a look at the global markets. For August, what we're looking at, well, no big surprise, CPI, Consumer Price Index. This has been the theme for 2021. Talking about inflation, it's not going away. It's still going to be the topic uh, that, uh, that we're, we're going to be driving as far as uh, the markets or investments go. Uh, so we're waiting for the U.S. August numbers. Uh, I'll touch base here in a minute on kind of our expectations, but really I don't expect any big surprises there. Uh, you know, we, uh, we are in, and I have to use this phrase for someone on my team, peak transitory inflation. I'll explain what I mean by that but it's, uh, it's uh, really important to kind of understand what's going on with inflation and what our expectations are, because that's really what's gonna drive kind of where the growth and where the opportunities in the market's gonna be. The futures, the stock market uh, continue to show some, uh, some, some higher levels. Uh, we're seeing, you know, part of the, uh, part of the indexes out there, uh, you know, still showing kind of record growth or record high numbers. There is some lag and there's still some opportunities around, especially on the value side, which are posting some great numbers, uh, but still not getting all the, uh, the attention maybe from investors that, uh, that they should. And we'll talk a bit about that here in the second half of the presentation. Um, Fed, official, Fed officials uh, have recently uh, in public interviews and statements, um, you know, talk about that they're gonna be reducing or beginning tapering uh, of the bond purchases by year end. Uh, certainly into early 2022. And that's, you know, a lot of talk about this inflationary pressure coming in 2022. Now, if you uh, go back to any of our previous videos, if you remember the first half of this year, I pretty much talked about the three-year plan of keeping inflation off without raising interest rates, both in Canada and the US. Uh, and I was always talking about um, early 2022 is, is kind of where I kind of thought we would have to see uh, those uh, those interest rates come about to, to head it off. Well, now everyone agrees with me. So everyone's been watching the videos. So everyone's agreeing with that, or at least the consensus is that. Uh, but I might have an update on that in the second half as far as my view goes, uh, based on what we've seen uh, through the summer, certainly. Uh, and also the Wall Street uh, Journal's, you know, forecast and, of course, CPI to gain over last month. 
Um, in kind of in the corporate world, GM uh, is, is in digs with uh, LG, uh, uh, LG Corp to, uh, to fix some battery problems around their Bolt, the car, the electric car, the Bolt. Uh, and this is battery fires, so not a good thing in, for, for cars. Uh, and they're really working hard to track down and fix this problem. Not a surprise that we're seeing something like that in electric vehicles, um, especially the newer, um, the new generations of, of uh, electric vehicles out there. You know, Tesla, not to tout Tesla. Uh, you can see videos, in my opinion, of Tesla. I like Tesla, um, but they've certainly been at it a bit longer than some of the other players in there, uh, you know, around the battery technology and the vehicle technology. Um, and LG here, who's developing the batteries, they're having a bit of a problem. Now this, you know, battery fires are not, not a, a new thing. If you think back, you know, let's say five years ago, Samsung's phones, remember you weren't even allowed to bring a Samsung phone onto a plane because, uh, because they were overheating and set you know, catching fire. And they had a big massive recall and they had to fix part of that technology. Uh, well, GM and LG are uh, massive actively uh, trying to head this off before it becomes a big problem. Uh, and a big recall. So hopefully they fix it. And uh, hopefully that's a learning lesson for other new entrants to the electrical vehicle market. Um, you know, from zippers to glass, to glass, we're seeing shortages. If you've been out shopping for anything, you know that the supply chain uh, has been taxed really heavily as far as deliveries go. There's, there's you know, car shortages due to a chip um, uh, shortage around the world construction material, fixtures for homes, gardening. Uh, we, I mentioned we set up the kids in their places uh, in Montreal and Ikea was out of so many things. We had to start ordering things uh, almost a month in advance rather than just going buying them uh, because you know one week we look and Ikea was out of something and the next week it was in and we had to grab it before uh, they were out again. Uh, and that's what we're seeing that across the board. So it doesn't matter what you're going to shop for you're seeing shortages. And this is where, you know, we talk about that transitory inflation. It's this lack of goods is driving up the price. And we saw that probably the best example over the summer was, uh, you know, wood, lumber. Uh, so, you know, the construction market saw multiple, um, you know, multiple uh, times pricing on, on, on lumber and a lot of jokes and memes out there about how much $1,000 would buy you of wood a year ago versus 2021. Uh, so that continues. We're probably not going to see this completely clear up in, until at least mid-2022. 2022, some predictions into 2023, although we have started to see some improvements. Not fixed, but some improvements there. So uh, we're seeing a lot of pressures on, on inflationary prices. And that's, a, you know, again, the last three months, if you've been watching our videos, we've talked about this this temporary surge, the reopening surge uh, of inflation, and then it should taper off a little bit and return to normal inflation. And that's what we're look at, really looking at. We're not really concerned about this transitory inflation. And that goes back to that statement I made about peak transitory inflation is, are we at the peak? Is this the, you know, the worst that the inflation numbers are gonna get? And uh, they're slowly gonna get better as that supply chain improves. That's what we're gonna keep a close eye on. Uh, hedge funds uh, are praying for volatility uh, just to just follow the inflow of cash that they're getting. So people are putting more money into the market and putting more money into investments. And hedge funds out there are praying for volatility because volatility is not bad. And I've talked, I think we've done a volatility video actually 
specifically talking about, you know, don't be afraid of volatility. Volatility is an opportunity. Uh, if prices come down, that just means you're getting the sale price. You're sticking with good quality names. So, you know, hedge funds are out there, you know, hoping for volatility because they have all this cash influx and the way the hedge funds work, the way that they manage is on that arbitrage in, in volatile markets. It's a high activity trade and they're looking for that volatility and they have not seen it over the last month. So they're out there holding on to cash, waiting for some sort, some sort of opening, whether by the sector, uh, by geography, or just general markets, looking for an opportunity to jump in. Uh, on the U.S. front, the, uh, the U.S. Consumer Inflation Index, as we mentioned, is kind of the highest since 2013, or the expectations is the highest since 2013. Again, this is everyone watching my videos and, and believing what I've been saying about inflation. So, uh, so we're definitely seeing uh, seeing those uh, those expectations number, uh, uh, the expectations around those numbers to be higher, and we definitely will still will see them a bit higher. I think when we see the CPI this week, uh, we're also looking at engine number one investment framework. Uh, is they're actually uh, taking an interest, not an interest, not a new approach, but they're actually trying to tie companies' valuations to their climate impact. So, you know, we use uh, different formulas to value a company uh, based on sales, growth, cash flow, um, growth of cash flow, uh, all these different factors. Uh, now they're looking to tie into that uh, an actual uh, a valuation uh, around their climate impact or what they're doing to uh, decrease their environmental or climate impact and also, you know, what we call socially responsible management. So that'll be interesting as we see uh, SRI or ESG um, becoming, you know, ethical investing becoming more and more of an impact on people's decisions uh, as, as we look at, you know, global warming and everything that's gone on on that front. Uh, the U.S. is also awarded uh, just over $480 million to aviation manufacturing to assist them to get the feet back on the ground. Obviously, everything around aviation was uh, was pretty stalled through uh, the shutdown as airlines were basically grounded, uh, you know, no one traveling. As borders start to reopen, as people start to travel again, uh, we're starting to see those those things pick up. We'll talk about Bombardier's actually uh, increasing some of their um, their their spending at Porter Airlines, looking to spend uh, spend more money on airplanes. So the U.S. is starting to put some money behind those manufacturers to allow them to you know, get things up and running again uh, to be able to get production moving again. Coinbase, uh, of course, we can't go a week without talking about cryptocurrency in some way. So Coinbase, which is, which is the cryptocurrency exchange or one of the larger ones, uh, is planning to raise $1.5 through a debt offering. Uh, and this is to allow them to develop the product or develop the exchange uh, offering um, more, uh, more broadly but also mergers because we, what we've seen through obviously this crypto uh, resurgence, and I say resurgence because we had a big one in 2018, it petered off, um, you know, where the, the valuations kind of fell and, and people lost interest and now it's back again. Um, uh, they're looking to, to buy up some of those smaller ones because we've seen a lot of small exchanges crop up everywhere. It's actually almost eroding confidence in people because they're not sure which ones are real, which ones to trust, uh, which ones are going to last. Uh, so the bigger ones uh, look for a lot of uh, M&A from the big ones, picking up some of those smaller ones 
just to, uh, to kind of clean up that space as we uh, as it moves forward. Uh, Wells Fargo, we talked a bit about this this court case. It's been ongoing for years. Well, uh, ex Wells Fargo execs are uh, going up against U.S. regulators uh, in a trial over the phony account scandal. So this goes back to uh, Wells Fargo and several other banks were kind of caught up into this. Uh, Wells Fargo was the center of it, uh, where they had this bonus program all the way down to the branch levels of uh, having people open uh, phony accounts or open uh, checking accounts or different product accounts for people who didn't even ask for it. Uh, and that was um, you know, bolstering their numbers as far as uh, new account activity and, 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 uh, and bonuses for different employees. It was a big, huge case. They had paid a big fine way back when, uh, but the case is ongoing as uh, really there was never really any, uh, you know, other than the fines, there was really no solid outcome or, you know, uh, anyone really, really found responsible for it. So that's why I think the case has continued on. Even the ex-employees who got fired who didn't want to take part in this uh, scandal uh, process who got fired and they, they had a class action to sue Wells Fargo for wrongful dismissals, uh, that case got kind of dismissed. And again, no real liability uh, to the corporation was ever, uh, was ever seen. So uh, hopefully we'll see some sort of, of end to sort of closure to this, uh, to this story, but it continues on. Uh, Apple this morning uh, held their you know, big special event to talk about their uh, the new products, the new flagships, flagship products. Uh, I only saw like brief snippets. I didn't watch the whole thing. I'll go back and review it later. Um, you can certainly go watch it uh, right from the Apple website if you're interested, if you're techie. Uh, I mean, the biggest things were the uh, new iPhone 13s were out. There's two, two models, the Pro and the regular. Um, 5G, obviously, at the forefront. If you're a photographer, I saw that they had big changes to the uh, to the cameras. Um, I'm not a photographer, see if you don't get my expression and my, my reaction there, but they look like it takes really great pictures if you know what you're doing. Uh, they also came out with um, a new watch, a new colors to the watch, to the, uh, the watch seven. Uh, I didn't see a lot of changes from the watch six other than a larger screen uh, and uh, new colors, uh, things like that. Um, the, the market wasn't radical, looking for radical changes or a radical shift other than really the 5G. Oh, and they all have their new Apple microprocessors or Apple switched to their own uh, processors uh, a while ago or about a year or so ago. Uh, and this introduces that to the phones and to the watch and I think an iPad mini. Um, anyway, faster, uh, new chips meaning faster uh, and better battery life, uh, basically what they're touting with these new products. But if you're interested, go check it out. I'll try to review more to see if there's anything more impactful for that. Uh, I don't think the market was expecting, uh, and by the, the reaction of the stock uh, today, uh, the market really wasn't expecting anything radically new um, uh, other than minor improvements. And, and that's what uh, exactly what they got. As I mentioned, the, the consumer price index is coming out. We are looking forward to increase by about half percent uh, over last months, uh, and um, we haven't seen it yet, but really we don't expect a big surprise there. JP Morgan uh, head is uh, coming out to discuss, you know, the health of Americans' largest banks and consumer retail consumers and investors at a conference in New York. And again, it should be very fairly positive 
the banks have done well through the recovery, um, you know, both especially in Canada, but also in the US, um, you know, all the financial institutions and hence the retail consumers also uh, fared fairly well. Other top news, Uber. So if you followed, you know, here's another court case that's been going on for a while. Uh, Uber fighting, uh, treating their staff or their drivers uh, as contractors versus employees. There was a big landmark case in California where they, uh, they won to be treated as employees. Of course, that means more cost for the company. They've got to offer, you know, vacation, sick leave, uh, benefits, all these different things uh, that, that add costs to it. Uh, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. It's just it changes the cost structure of what we call gig uh, economies. And this goes towards, you know, your skip the dishes or your Uber Eats or, or DoorDash uh, or any of these kind of contract um, types of employees or types of work. Uh, it is split, you know, I won't say 50-50, but it is kind of split with the workers as to whether they prefer to be contract or they want to be treated as employees because some people like the flexibility of the contract work versus being uh, you know, full-time employee. Um, but anyway, this has gone on and on back and forth and it is global. And the Dutch courts just decided that uh, you know, over in the Netherlands, uh, they are gonna be considered employees. So what does that mean for Uber there? Um, they certainly talked about before of having to close down uh, countries if they go that route. Uh, but if all the countries start going that route, what does that mean for Uber? Do they have to just kind of figure out a new way, a new cost structure uh, to run things? And obviously we'll see ripple effects from this to, um, to other gig economies uh, that are out there. Uh, the US House Democrats are looking to roll back the Trump tax cuts for the wealthy. Not a surprise, it's a big part of their platform. You know, tax the rich, go after corporations. Uh, you know, uh, even uh, when, they, uh, when they met with the other global uh, countries, uh, looking to put a, uh, a flat corporate global tax into place, meaning companies, uh, corporations wouldn't be able to hide uh, their income in other jurisdictions around the world. Um, you know, they'd have to pay a minimum global tax uh, on all the revenues. So no big surprise that they're going to take away those or looking to remove those, those, uh, those Republican tax cuts that were put into place. Uh, and nothing we haven't seen in the past where uh, you know, Republicans have gone in and put in big tax breaks for corporations and Democrats have come in and rolled them back. Uh, you know, more M&A, uh, buyout firm uh, Apollo is making a $4 billion uh, bid for Tronox. Uh, this is a global um, a management firm uh, looking to pick up Tronox Holden uh, for an all cash offer, more M&A you know, continuing. Uh, but that's a good sign that we're seeing that M&A continuing because it means valuations are not out of, uh, out of range. You know, a lot of people are concerned about the valuations around the markets. You know, are they too high? Are valuations too high? Uh, if we continue to see that M&A, that means you know, at least the corporate world's out there still seeing value around uh, you know, what they're buying. Uh, you know, the same thing when uh, we're seeing deals here with Regesix Bio uh, working with AbbVie. Uh, with a $379 million upfront deal uh, to sell their experimental gene therapy. Uh, and if you've listened to our video where uh, we interviewed, uh, you know, the CEO of uh, Evolve uh, ETFs, uh, when we talked about, you know, kind of disruptive technology, you know, gene therapy was right up there. Uh, gene, gene therapy treatment, uh, and this one specifically for the chronic retinal diseases. 
you know, which affect a lot of the aging population. Uh, we're seeing AbbVie taking a, a big run at that. Uh, keep a close eye. But that gene therapy technology is definitely something we're going to see grow more and more when we talk about pharmaceuticals. Uh, the U.S. bankruptcy judge approved uh, Parma, uh, Purdue Pharma, sorry, $7 million executive bonus plan. So this has been the ongoing. Uh, this is the Oxycontin uh, painkiller uh, lawsuit over the opioid crisis. Uh, Purdue basically uh, agreed to make a big uh, fund to go to, uh, to help those who have suffered. Certainly wasn't enough. Uh, and now another $7 million going out to the execs through a bonus uh, program. Um, no one obviously involved or following this, you know, are going to be happy about it. Uh, but right from the from the get go, when Purdue put this bankruptcy plan into place, we knew it wasn't going to be the best outcome for everybody, uh, and certainly the, uh, the 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 people who have suffered from the pandemic who have been affected by it directly. Coming up in Canada, I mentioned Bombardier is expected to hold a virtual event where they're looking to announce. Uh, more, uh, more new or uh, updates to their private jets, which has been a big growth area through the pandemic, believe it or not. A lot of people out there buying private jets. Uh, and if you remember the budget that came out, we did a budget video uh, back in February, I believe, um, that coming in January 1, they, uh, if you buy a private jet over 100000 there's a new tax coming into play. So, um, you know, get your order in before then if you're buying your own private jet. Uh, Stats Canada has released the manufacturing sales numbers for the country, um, likely to fall a little bit. Obviously, manufacturing sales, again, being affected by that supply chain. Manufacturers just can't, uh, can't get uh, all their parts. That used to be, you know, a couple of days uh, to a week uh, lead time. Now are months, and it's really setting things back. Mining industry executives like Barrett Gold uh, are looking to actually hold a conference this year. So the Mine Expo 2021 in Las Vegas. Uh, so this is, you know, if you're in the hospitality industry, it's a good sign that, you know, companies are at least planning to return to conferences. Uh, what does that mean? We're still seeing a lot of cancellation of postponements for 2021. Uh, some companies are definitely uh, putting things on the back burner uh, as far as getting uh, large groups of people together but we are seeing some moving forward. So it'll be really interesting uh, to see which ones go forward and how, how they do, right? Or do, you know, hopefully we don't see super spreader events. Certainly we're very likely to see mandatory vaccination uh, at many of these uh, different events to, uh, to make sure that they reduce the risk to those attending. Uh, private, uh, private equity uh, backed, uh, is back and sorry, oil producers Strascona uh, as it's in talks to buy uh, Caltex resources. Uh, so this is, a, you know, again, uh, just showing some, some optimism around the, uh, the, the oil sector. Uh, you know, I, again, I don't want to overplay. Yes, we are seeing demand return for oil. We're definitely seeing numbers uh, starting to, uh, the outlook for numbers starting to increase in the price of oil uh, back through $70 again. So things are growing from that front. That doesn't mean we see, you know, oil may get back to its heyday uh, as far as demand goes, but from the lows where it's at, we still see some growth in those numbers. Uh, and, you know, that M&A is just more, uh, more proof of that. Mentioned other airlines, Porter Airlines. If you're not familiar, for those out west, Porter is an Eastern company, uh, mostly out of uh, Hamilton Airport in Ontario. Uh, fly regional flights, uh, mostly commuters from 
sorry, not Hamilton, uh, the city airport out of uh, on, uh, Toronto Island. Uh, they fly mostly uh, commuters into uh, Quebec and into the Maritimes. Uh, they've started to expand uh, expand their offerings, and they've just put in a, a big order for 30 Embraer Air um, jets that will double their fleet size and look into put routes into the United States, Mexico, and the Caribbean uh, as they look at uh, as, as they look at demand start to increase into 2022. As far as the dollar goes, uh, the US dollar is held pretty strong. Now, remember when we ever talk about the US dollar, when there's concerns around the markets or weakness around the markets, the global markets, US dollars and flight to safety, so it goes up. That's where we've seen that, that strength. We are expecting that to pull back though, as, as we get over this inflationary surge and get in, you know, that starts to peter down and the global environment starts to, starts to increase again. The global markets start to grow a bit faster than the US. Uh, so we, do, we are seeing the, the Euro tick back up again and we do expect the Euro uh, continue to climb uh, as that goes through. Uh, as I mentioned, um, all likelihood, the Fed Reserve will start the tapering, and that will, you know, we'll start to see that weakness in the Canadian dollar. Yields uh, on the U.S. Treasuries have ticked back up a little bit to 1.34 for 1.32, so not a big move. And Pimco, a big uh, fixed income or bond uh, manager, uh, one of the bigger ones in North America, uh, has base case. It's talking about that, you know, their base case is talking about inflationary pressures that we are in a transitory uh, environment, but nonetheless, they are staying cautious about that early 2022 potential tightening on interest rates. On the commodity front, as I mentioned, we're seeing a little bit higher, just over the $70 a barrel, uh, up from, you know, I think it pulled back to around 64 during our hiatus there, uh, but it's it's come back up again. Copper uh, ticked down a little, just shy of 1%, is still holding in strong. Uh, London's down a little bit, you know, just as that, um, Again, that transitory uh, inflation number, really looking for that to pull back. So gold's not really running up too much at, these, uh, at this moment. So let's take a look at the markets, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, where we see things coming for the fall. Uh, well, as I mentioned, the vaccination rates are rising in the US and Europe and around the world. So that's very positive. Uh, focus is really on that, you know, the timing of the central bank tightening. Uh, the US remains a bit expensive. I won't say, you know, we have very expensive here in the show, but uh, I'd say a bit expensive. I still think that the, the reopening is growth is a play. Uh, although with that being said, uh, you know, I, we'll talk a little bit about my views on the US market here. Uh, some really key indicators we're looking as the Fed, uh, the Fed wage uh, tracker. Uh, so if you go back to earlier this year, as I mentioned, the two big things we have to watch is inflation and uh, the labor market, what's happening there. And of course, the labor market right now, uh, you know, if you've been out at all, you know that there's a shortage of employees, uh, especially in the service area. Uh, you know, whether this is due to minimum wage being too low, people find better work. Some people saying, uh, you know, the unemployment, uh, you know, benefits or the, the added CERB in Canada. And of course, the, uh, the extra, um, top up to the unemployment in the US was just keeping people at home. Uh, and maybe that's true. I, I, I can't say, you know, no one can say, I think uh, for certain, uh, except maybe the people who are staying at home can tell us that. But, you know, that kind of speaks to the fact that if it makes more sense to stay at home and collect unemployment, um, you know, maybe there is a problem with the compensation of some of those service positions uh, when they could stay at home and make as much or the same amount of money. 
versus going to work. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's something that we're going to have to keep a very close eye on is what's going to happen with this labor shortage. What happens to the, uh, the, the wage costs? Because of course that drives inflation. If we start paying, you know, people make more money, they can afford more things, they can pay more. It drives up uh, inflation. It's just, uh, just kind of a domino effect. Uh, and also, as I mentioned, inflation is kind of a big, big thing we're tracking. So uh, stay with the reopening trade. So, you know, as I mentioned, we still see that's the trade. The short term, uh, you know, this, trans this transitory inflation is not the trade we have in the portfolios. We're still looking at the long term. We still see, you know, the best performing assets year to date. Definitely the smaller companies, small cap market, uh, non-US equity. So outside the US, rates have made a really big resurgence. From, from their lows of March 2020. Uh, so that's your, your real estate holdings. And obviously, if you follow real estate, there's been a, a big room there. Commodities in 2021 have, have bounced back nicely. Uh, and really, that value company, you know, we talked about the shift in uh, February, March, I believe, shifting from growth to value uh, in 2021. Uh, and it's been a slow shift, which is why we told everyone, you know, don't sell off all your growth stocks and just, just randomly buy value, but definitely start to introduce and build that value uh, in the portfolio. And I'd say even more so now you want to start, you know, building more and more uh, around the value side of your portfolio and a little less around your, your, your growth names. Doesn't mean growth has fallen off a cliff, just means we're, we're probably going to see a lot more focus on value going forward. Cyclical stocks, you know, are going to do better as we move away from like the high growth, the high growth tech stocks. Um, you know, value, as I mentioned, is still cheap compared to uh, growth uh, as far as the, uh, the different financial factors out there. Um, financials should continue to benefit from the yield curve steepening. I would stick with the Canadian financials personally. I see a lot more volatility in the, uh, in the U.S. ones. Uh, doesn't mean, you know, you can't look at them or if there's a good buying opportunity, they shouldn't be there. But uh, personally, I, like, I still like the, uh, the Canadian ones. Uh, especially with the dividend uh, flow you get from them uh, up here. And you can use a, a covered call uh, strategy to enhance your dividend on those as well. Uh, the US dollar, uh, as mentioned, looking at uh, some weakness once, uh, you know, investors have fully priced in any Fed, Fed tightening, uh, which we're pretty much there. Uh, and the dollar weakness should, should uh, support performance of non-US markets. So you're starting to get the theme we're favoring outside of the U.S. going forward for this year. Not to say we're giving up on the U.S., we're just definitely overweighted uh, global over the U.S. right now. From a Canadian perspective, the ease in lockdowns, uh, which we should see them continue to ease. It's not a straight line, obviously, with bringing back the, uh, the, the mask mandates. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously, also with the schools reopening, uh, you know, that, that, that resurgence or that fourth wave is going to cause some, some effect as to how quickly or how directly we, we uh, reopen, uh, but that's still the game. That's still the play that we're seeing as Canada's market is moving towards a reopening, and we still see that as the growth story or the opportunity for the story. Uh, growth should undershoot the first half, uh, sorry, growth undershot over the first half, um, but that's not a cause of concern. As I said, we are seeing value being uh, more and more to the spotlight. Bank of Canada continues to taper asset purchases. 
And, uh, but the problem, you know, the, the likelihood of them raising rates before the U.S., very unlikely. Uh, you know, they'll wait. They don't want to depreciate the, uh, the loonie um, um, more than they have to uh, or quicker than they have to. Uh, the S&P, the uh, TSX, sorry, has outperformed the S&P 500, uh, and that's mostly due to that commodity movement that we saw early 2021. Uh, and we're still in a very positive business cycle for Canadian equities uh, relative to the U.S. So Canada uh, and global over the U.S. is pretty much our, uh, our theme. Uh, we still expect a strong economy out of the U.S., uh, just a bit of overvaluation, some profit taking there is going to uh, slow, slow things down a little bit more. Eurozone post-lockdown recovery, uh, we're expected to be very strong, uh, you know, stronger than the U.S., and also the currency getting stronger there. Uh, U.K. still got to set for a strong rebound. Uh, the pound has seen a bit of recovery. Uh, there's probably still some room for it to go up, uh, but it, it, it saw the pounds already saw a, a bit of a rally over uh, what we saw in the, uh, in the euro, so a little less uh, room there for them. But it's still a, a pretty cheap market uh, compared to the U.S. Japan has been a bit constrained by their slower vaccine rollout. But as I mentioned, they can really ramp that up fast, just as Canada did. And if that happens, we can look at uh, a better, uh, better growth recovery over there. Uh, China is obviously putting in a lot of uh, regulation, which made it hard on, on equities. And also they're dealing with, um, uh, you know, just challenges around some of the financials uh, with their uh, with the major corporations. Uh, they had a major uh, a major financial institution this morning, I think, or yesterday morning. Time difference, or at least late last night. Uh, looking that they might uh, they might go into bankruptcy. Uh, Canada's recovery, both domestic and global, uh, is very favorable uh, for the Canadian equities, and again, the, the continued commodity growth, which helps Canada. As far as the asset front go, or asset class front. Um, we, as we mentioned, we prefer non-US to US, uh, definitely favor value over growth. Emerging markets have lagged, uh, but they should start to really reverse that course uh, as the US credit growth stabilizes. Uh, government bonds are still expensive and we don't expect that to be a good area of growth uh, for the next little while. Definitely on the fixed income, uh, we're working very closely with some tactical managers on the fixed income, uh, PIMCO being one of them. Uh, we've seen really good numbers out of a tactical approach in the fixed income market, and we expect that to continue. So if you're looking for, you know, safer money, a little bit of volatility, not much, but a little bit of volatility and looking for safer growth, you know, those yields are north of five right now uh, and, they, and, and potentially, uh, you know, some uh, capital growth there as well, depending on the, uh, the inflationary movement. Uh, and hopefully the inflationary movement will be volatile, which will give more opportunity for the tactical managers to, uh, to take advantage of that. And as I mentioned, the U.S. dollar weakening. So with that, I'll, uh, I'll want to wrap it up. I talked really long today. I appreciate everyone coming back. Uh, I know uh, it's been a, a long month off. A lot has happened. We're, uh, we're going to get back to the, our, our regular weeklies. Uh, if you want to stay on top of it, as I mentioned, we have a lot rolling out. So go to MikeOnMoney.com. You'll see anything uh, that we're pushing out. Also, you can go subscribe to us on YouTube and get notifications every time we put out a video uh, or go subscribe to our weekly newsletter and our guaranteed weekly rates if you want to stay on top of those. Uh, but with that, I'll let you go enjoy your day. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back at the office. 
And I hope everyone had a great summer, a safe summer. And I look forward to uh, this next quarter with everyone. Thanks very much. Take care.